It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 74, The Ghost of Brant Brown. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Well, Carly, I'd like to say happy Friday. That's about the only good news we've got to report is that it is a Friday. Yeah, I mean, when you and I talked about, you know, when we made our predictions in the last episode, I, I took them taking one out of three, and that to me was even dicey on that. Um, you know, it's not to say they didn't have their chances, but but this was definitely a step up in class, and the Cubs just could not compete against what the Braves have. Yeah, definitely a step up in class. They did compete in two of the three games. So let's get at it, Crowley. Let's get into game number one, Justin Steele, the game that uh, we felt uh, most comfortable about. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think they competed in all three. They just didn't have enough. And, and in game one was their best chance at a win right there. Uh, everyone was hoping for a bounce back start from Justin Steele after giving up six runs in his previous two starts. Uh, the Cubs staked him to some early runs. We figured against Bryce Elder that the Cubs would get their runs. It's just not enough, right? And in the second, Cody Bellinger and Sale led the inning off with singles. Dansby grounded out and Morel struck out. But with two outs, Mr. Clutch, Jan Gomes singled to give the Cubs a one nothing lead. Miles Masterbuani then ended another run with a single of his own, and the Cubs are up 2-0. In the top of the third, Nico and Cody Bellinger draw walks. Seiya Suzuki doubles, er, er, doubled the Cubs' lead with a triple. Two runs are going to score. Now the Cubs are up 4-0. But with Seiya at third and only one out, Dansby would walk, Morel would line out, Gomes would strike out to end the threat. You're just going to see against a team like the Braves with their firepower, you just, this is what we talked about, runners in scoring position in the last series against the Rockies. Even though the results were good against the Rockies, that was my concern. You cannot leave runners on base against this potent Braves lineup. And, you know, that just hurt. To have runner at third and one out and not get him in, can't do that. Can't Uh, do that. Not if you're going to win. Not if you're going to play October baseball other than one game. Right. In, 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 the, in the fourth, Miles Masterbuani and Mike Talkman walked to lead off the inning. And in the first of some questionable managerial decisions in this game, Mike Talkman was pulled for pinch runner PCA. While PCA is definitely the future, that's early to start focusing on defense against a lineup as good as the Braves and in a ballpark that, slays, that plays real small. Uh, PCA has struggled offensively, so it was a head scratcher. 
With two on and no outs, Nico would line out, Hap would fly out, but Cody Bellinger would come up with a two-out single, and the Cubs were up 5 nothing. Elder's night was done, and the Cubs' offense did a good job against him. Jackson Stevens was first out of the pen, facing runners at the corners, two outs, when Saya, who already had a single and a two-run triple, uh, you know, he gets another one, and, and, and Cody runs to steal second. Braves catcher Sean Murphy pumps, fakes a throw to second, right? He catches PCA in no man's land. He is Ugh. caught in a rundown, and the inning was over. Huge rookie mistake. Yeah, and there's been plenty of those. I mean, he has made two nice catches. Otherwise, not so impressed with PCA so far. Now, the Cubs would add one more run in the sixth when Miles Masturbani hit his third single of the game. PCA bunted to hit it to second. Nico would single to put runners at the corners, and Ian Happ would drive him in with an RBI single. Cubs are leading 6 nothing in the sixth. Got to be feeling good at this point, but got to be stay, feeling good, right? You know, did Steele look good? He gave up a double in the first and a double in the second, but then he retired the next eight batters he faced, struck out the side in the third. It was better than we've seen him in a long time. But as we talked about a lot of times, Justin has thrown nearly 54 more innings than his previous career high. If it was me, I would have had double action going in the pen in that sixth inning in case there was an issue. No one was up. Dustin, were you surprised in the sixth, the way he was going, that nobody was up? I was surprised. Yep, I was surprised. Um, but obviously the bullpen can't be trusted. Maybe that was what it was. Maybe they thought that he was going to uh, push through. But, um, you know, fifty more, 54 more innings in the plot. Yep. Now, you know, the first batter steal face, Kevin Pillard, the number nine hitter, mind you, hits a 425-foot home run to left center. Steele got Acuna to ground out in the first out of the inning, but he gave up a double, double to Ozzie Albee. He walked Austin Riley and then gave up a single to Matt Olson to score Albies to make it 6-2. to two. Runners at first and second, still only one out, and his night was done. I thought he pitched well, just ran out of gas, you know? Ran out of gas, and I and I'm I'm you know you know me I'm not a fan of letting their best people beat you. I, I would have walked Matt, especially knowing that you were going to the pen. He knew he was going to the pen. Oh, if Matt Olson gets a hit, we're going to the pen. Just walk Matt Olson and go to the pen. Yeah, it's it's hard against this team because it's all these well, they guys. Got five have, or six guys that hit thirty home runs. I mean, it's crazy. Right, it's just impossible. It's, that's the thing about this team is you can't walk people because now you're going to set yourself up for a big inning. And you know, with runners at first and second still one out, Jose Quas would come out first and give up a double to Marcelo Zuna to score Riley. Olson would move to third, and the Cubs and the Braves now are trailing only six to three with runners at second and third and one out. Quaz then got Orlando Arcia to pop out and he struck out Michael Harris to end the threat. And the Cubs are still holding on to a six to three lead. Next out of the pen in this, uh, the seventh was Javier Assad. He pitched so well against the Rocky. First thing he does, he walks the leadoff batter, Sean Murphy, Dustin, the guy we said on the cold list, didn't have a hit all night. He walks him. He strikes out Eddie Rosario, but Ronald Acuna, who was 0 for three in the game, hit a one, two pitch to right field. Assad would retire the next two runners, but the Cubs were now clinging to a one-run lead, six to five game. Now look, Dustin, I'm pissed off about the leadoff walk, no doubt. Acuna is probably going to walk away with the MVP. He's one of the best so players. Why pitch to him too? Again, why pitch to him in that situation? I, let let I somebody else beat you. Let somebody else beat you. I am I'm, sick I'm gonna, and tired of Acuna. 
I'm I'm going to say, though, the guy was 0 for 3. I get what you're saying, but against this team, you cannot walk pretty much Kevin Pillar. That's that's the list. And Sean Murphy. You got two guys that you can walk. That's it intentionally. Other than that, any one of these guys are going to pop one off on you at any given time. You don't want to add more base runners in that situation. But what bothered me, Dustin, on this is that, uh, yeah, Assad gave up the home run to Acuna, but then he looked pretty good after that, and he only pitched one inning instead of, to me, going maybe two or three. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. Now, time for another bizarre Ross sequence in this game with Cubs with uh, Cub Farm, former Cub farmhand on the mound, Pierce Johnson. Jan Gomes leads off the eighth with a single. Brian Man, uh, Braves manager Brian Snitker pulls him for lefty Brad Hand to face lefty Miles Masturbwani. So lefty versus lefty. Now, at this point in the game, Miles Masturbwani is three for three and has been the Cubs' best hitter in the last week, Dustin, slashing 500, 529, 500. And he asks Masturbwani to bunt. Not only that, the Cubs' slowest runner on the team, Jan Gomes, is at first. This makes no sense to me. It goes about as well as you would expect. Masturbwani bunts it to the pitcher who throws out Jan Gomes easily at second, and now you've just given up an out. Then, in a one-run game late, Ross pulls his best defensive center fielder in PCA to pinch hit for Patrick Wisdom, right? Wisdom would strike out. Nico Horner would ground out stranding Masturbwani at third. But again, the whole half inning just divide baseball logic, Okay. You now start the bottom of the eighth. PCA's out of the game. You move Cody Bellinger to center, and now Patrick Wisdom is playing first. You've just hurt yourself defensively in a one-run game. Made no sense. No, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. That that's that's the one of the biggest issues I probably had with David Ross over the past uh, three days. That that did not make sense at all. He 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 overthunk game number one for sure. Absolutely. Now, Drew Smiley comes into the game. He walks the leadoff batter, just like Assad did in the seventh, to put the tying run on with no outs. Um, he then throws a wild pitch to advance the tying run to second. He gets Marcelo Zuna to strike out. Smiley then throws his second wild pitch to move the tying run to third with one out. He then walks another batter, Orlando Arceus, to put the go-ahead run at first with one out. Now, Smiley gets Michael Harris to strike out. Pinch runner Forrest Wall steals seconds. There's two outs, Dustin, with the worst hitter in the Braves lineup, Sean Murphy, up. And Smiley gets a gets Murphy to hit a ball to right center. And you're watching it. Seiya Suzuki is calling off Bellinger. And then, in a, a again, the title of the episode, the ghost of Brant Brown, he whiffs on the catch. Two-run score. The Braves take a seven to six lead. The that would be the final score. Dustin, the Cubs would not score in the ninth. It was just stunning. And and for those of us who have lived this before, it just was. It just brought back a lot of PTSD, man. Yeah, it brought back a lot of bad memories. I mean, at least Grant, Brant Brown, at least it hit him in the glove. I mean, say it completely whiffed. I mean, absolutely positively whiffed. And then we get some, maybe it's the LED lights and excuses and whatnot. And people are mad at Suzuki. I, I, Crowley, I was more mad at Drew Smiley than I was at Seiya Suzuki. Walk in two guys and two wild pitches. Right. I mean, you basically put right. him on there. and, and Right. He, he put the people at second and third. He put them there. Right. right. Single-handedly. He, all by himself. 
And, you know, I do think that the, you know, they've talked about the lights. If you remember, there was a time where Ian Happ came back out after the game when the Cubs got the new LED lights and was trying Mm -hmm. to adjust things. I mean, that's definitely an issue. I mean, I I think there was a couple good. um, I thought that the the calls, all of the calls were really good. But I think Jim Deshaies, what do you say? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Like that, that's going to stick with this generation of Cub fans coming up. Just how stunning that was. And you and that image of Drew Smiley putting his hands about over his head to clap and then spinning around in shock. I mean, that was brutal. Um, You know, the Cubs offense scored six runs on 13 hits, but went six for 16 with runners in scoring position. They left nine men on base, Dustin. Uh, We talked about that against this offense. It's just not going to cut it. No, Um, it won't cut it. Not against the Braves. Won't cut it against many playoff teams. Steele went 5.1 innings. He gave up three runs on six hits, but one of those runs scored after Jose Quas gave up a double. Saad gave up a two-run homer, and Smiley walked two batters that came around to store. He gave up two runs on zero hits. They, of course, you know, and then that should have been an error on Suzuki, but it wasn't. But that, that you know, when you think about the 2023 season, and it's tough because people are like, well, it shouldn't be. I heard David Haw and you guys talking about it in the morning show you know, the indelible image that's going to be there, you know, it shouldn't say a Suzuki and Ross brought this up and I agree with him. He has carried the Cubs offensively for the last month, month and a half. Uh, they don't have about half the runs if say I didn't drive him in, in this game, he's the one that was offensively doing his job. But again, people remember, if you remember when, when Leon Durham made the error in 1984 against San Diego, he didn't miss almost any balls at all at first. He was as sure-handed as they come, and he was a guy that was a huge offensive driving force, but that's the image you remember. Alex Gonzalez, he barely made any mirrors, and he hit a couple home runs in the playoffs. It's that double play ball, so that is going to be an image that sticks with people for a long time. I was concerned that it would affect Seiya's mental um, fortitude in this one because, remember, David Ross talked about you know when he benched him, it was more mental than physical issues that was affecting him. And again, the last thing you needed was Seiya Suzuki to struggle offensively. He's been carrying the team offensively. There's no doubt about that. All right, so the Cubs are down one game to none. Game number two, Jamison Tyone throwing. Yep, Tyone versus Darius Vines. And we were, you know, we didn't know what Tyone was going to do. He's kind of been an enigma all year. We were concerned about his road numbers. And it looked like our fears were going to be realized when in the first inning, he gave up a home run to Ozzy Albies and the Cubs were down one nothing. But after that, Tyone settled down and was able to, to tame this potent Braves lineup. He gave up a leadoff double to start the second. But then, Dustin, he sat down the next 15 Braves. Absolutely, Absolutely tremendous amazing. performance. I mean, just unreal. Now, the Braves starting pitcher, Darius Vines, had been in the minor leagues all season until being called up on August 30th. This was his second start of the year. Uh, Vines sat the Cubs down in order in the first, but then they scored a fluke run in the second. Cody Bellinger led off with a single. Saya drew a walk. Then Swanson flied to sec to right. I thought the ball was going to get past Acuna. He makes it, but he's on his back. He, and so Bellinger is able to advance to third with one out. Recently activated Heimer Candelario's at the plate. The ball kind of starts going inside. Looks like it almost might hit him. It hits his back, goes behind the catcher. Bellinger comes home, and the umpire rules that it was a passed ball. And then and Bellinger scores. Now on repay, the ball clearly hits the bat. But for some stupid reason, the play is not reviewable. 
Braves manager Brian Snicker comes out to explain, hey, guys, it hit the bat. There's no way that that was a pass ball, the way the bounce, the ball ricocheted. And so the umps met to see if anyone saw it. None of them did. The run stood and the game's tied. I'm guessing, Dustin, that rule will be changed in 2024. That was just awful. Yeah, uh, even Snicker, though it went the Cubs' way, that was awful. Yes. Just awful. Snicker let the umps have it. He was tossed from the game. And in the top of the third, uh, Mike Talkman and Ian Happ both homered to put the Cubs up 3-1. to one. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. This is what needs to happen. Routes on. You got Vines in there. Knock him out. Th- throw some more runs up. But they didn't. Okay? It, we, all of a sudden, you know, he Vines would go on six innings. He gave up three runs, really only two because that one was garbage, on four hits. So you're telling me you can only get two home runs and two other hits against this guy that was in the minors. That, that, that right to me right there, that was going to be it. I, I just kind of had a gut feeling, right? Yeah, they did not put the foot on the gas like we would like to say. Yeah, that doomed them, no doubt about it. Tyone's cruising, but in the bottom of the seventh, he gives up a lead-up walk to Austin Riley, and Matt Olson singles to put runners at the corners with no outs. The next batter, Marzell Ozuna, hits one to Nico, who tries to flip it to Dansby to start a double play, but his throw is too high. The ball goes over the Whoops. glove of Dansby. Everyone is safe. Riley scored, and again, he was going to score anyway because they would have gone for the double play. Three to two ball game. Tyone's night's done. He pitched six innings, gave only three hits, two runs, one walk, and three Ks. Um, but Drew Smiley, you know, to me, when I'm watching this, there's another error, and I'm sitting here. I told you, Dustin, before the game, runners in scoring position, bullpen. The one thing I didn't count on was the defense, which had been one of the calling cards of this team to completely fall apart. Yeah, it let them down. It's let them down all three games. We'll get into more than that as we get into uh, game number three, but let's keep going on game two. Drew Smiley, the first out of the Cubs' beleaguered pen with runners on first and second, only one out. He got Sean Murphy to strike out and Kevin Pillar to pop out. So good. The Cubs lead three to two. Um, And then Julian Merriweather comes out and gets the first out of the inning um, in the eighth. And then uh, Ronald Acuna would single. He would steal second. And then Cubs killer Ozzy Albies ties the game with a single. Merriweather gets them out of the inning on a nice strike them out double, uh, throw them out double play. And so now we got a tie game. And so that takes us to the ninth with one out. Dansby was hit by a pitch. Jaimeer Candelario would draw a walk. PCA came, PCA came in to pinch run. And Mr. Clutch, Jan Gomes, singled to score Dansby. And the Cubs retook the lead four to three. The Cubs had runners at the cores with corners with one out for Miles Masterbuani, who's again been one of the hottest hitters. But in a situation where he had to make contact and drive in that run at third with one out, he strikes out. Mike Talkman lines out to end the threat. And now the Cubs only have a one-run lead. Next out of the pen is Mark Leiter. Leiter had not pitched in a week. Um, first battery faced Matt Olson. You know, he pops out to second, but the pitch wasn't good. He just missed it. He just got under it. He fell behind the next batter, Marcelo Zuna, 3-0 and threw him a 91-mile-per-hour fastball right down the middle that Ozuna hits 413 feet to left center to tie the game. The next batter, Michael Harris, doubled, and Ross had seen enough. Leiter was out. Jose Cuas came in. He threw a wild pitch. That's about 15 feet outside the zone. Harris is going to move to third, but he gets the next two runners to ground out, and Harris was left stranded. But, Dustin, this is another one that I scratched my head, and I know there's not a lot of good options, but there is clearly an issue with Mark Leiter. My guess is we'll find out after the season he was hurt, but he had, he won't throw a split finger anymore, which was his his main bread and butter pitch. The guy yeah. literally had nothing. Why wouldn't you have gone with Luke Little? 
Right. I don't know why Luke Little doesn't go until game number three. I was saying that all day long, and I would have flip-flopped it. I would have actually had Lighter go earlier, and I would have had Merriweather try to end it. I guess, but but Lighter can't throw, and that's the concern. He can't throw. When you can't throw your main pitch, then these guys, especially against some of these bullpen guys that are two-pitch pitchers, they're just going to be sitting on it. And, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, trust me, there were David Ross was running faster than I've ever seen him run to get him out of the game. <laughs> we get the extra innings, top of the 10th, Talkman starting at second, Nico lines out, Talkman moves to third, Hap would hit a sack fly, Talkman scores, Cubs go up 5-4. And now, again, you only got a one-run lead. Daniel Palencias comes in to pitch the bottom of the 10th. Kevin Pilar starts at second, Orlando Arcio would ground out, Pilar moves to third. Ronald Acuna single to tie the game. And then in a controversial moment, he would steal second to make him the first player to hit 40 home runs and steal 70 bases. The game is stopped. He raises the base above his head. They play a montage in the middle of this game. Uh, that, Dustin, was absolutely ridiculous. Well, the, the first part of it was he grabbed the base like somebody was going to steal it from him. He ripped that thing out of the ground. He bent over immediately. And then I think they went to the montage. Obviously, this was all predetermined, meaning when you steal your 70th base, grab it out of the ground quick, and we're going to go to a video tribute to you. There's no doubt in my mind about that at all. And Ross tried to shrug it off afterwards. That wasn't the reason they lost the game. But it definitely slowed down the rhythm of the pitcher. There's no doubt about that. It, whether whatever it is, you're sitting here and the Cubs are fighting for their playoff light. You could have easily done the, a whole ceremony the next game. You could have pulled the base out, exchanged it, put a new mm -hmm. base in, or you could have just kept the base in between innings. You could have put a new base in. It's, it wasn't a right. big deal. But you don't stop the game. You don't do a montage. And it's a made-up record. It's a made-up record. It's not like some long-standing record. It's a made-up club. Right, and it's an achievement, and it deserves to be recognized. Not sure. in the middle he'll of a game. The, he'll, not he'll in the middle win of a the game. MVP. Right, he'll win the MVP. Not, the not in the middle of the game, and kudos to both JD and Boog. I know they've gotten some feedback from the Atlanta people and some national people, but they were right to criticize it. It shouldn't have happened. Either ways, the game resumes. Ozzy Albies singles because, of course, that's what Ozzy Albies always does against the Cubs. Acuna scores, and the Cubs lose six to five. Dustin. The Cubs had the lead in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth inning and couldn't outwin the game. Right. That's why uh, there, there's not one thing, right? You can't blame no. this on one person. When you blow no. all those leads, you cannot blame it on one single person. This was a team loss. The offense scored five runs on seven hits. They went one for eight with runners in scoring position and left seven on base, and the bullpen gave up four runs. It's it again, runners in scoring position and bullpen. What I said before this series started. Yep. And we didn't think the defense was going to be part of it, but it definitely was. All right, Crowley. Next, we're going to move to game three. All right. This is what we were all waiting for. The Marcus Stroman start. He has to come up big, but Dustin, let's be honest. He wasn't healthy when they activated him. He didn't look great in the bullpen, except for maybe like a half an inning. Um, he just didn't have it. Now, this is not all on Stroman. Like you said, this was a, a team effort, whether you talk about this game or whether you're talking about the other two games. But the offense, Dustin, to me, looked listless, and the defense looked atrocious. You had a 20-year-old rookie, A.J. Smith-Shraver, on the mound. Cubs got on the board first, but again, it wasn't because anything they did. It was another gift run. Second game in a row that they got a freebie. Mike Talkman walks to lead off the game. He steals second. 
Nico grounds out to advance Talkman to third. And with the infield in, Ian Happ hits one to third baseman, Austin Riley. He had plenty of time. I don't know why he's rushing it. He guns it home, and the throw was more towards the left field side, the left field dugout side. And, and Talkman was called safe. But Dustin, to me, he absolutely looked out. The Braves are looking at it on replay, but they take too long to make a decision to challenge. So Snicker signals he wants a challenge, but the ump says, sorry, too late, dude. So free run for the Cubs. Did you think he was out? I didn't think he was out, but I think they should have reviewed it. I, I felt bad, I guess, for the Braves, if you can feel bad for a team that's won 100 games. But uh, real, really close play. Um you know, they called him, you know, the other part is they called him safe. So I think when you call the guy safe, it's harder. Got to have a lot more evidence to call the guy out. It was ugly, but, uh, you know, it was a very athletic play by Talkman, high-stepping it over the glove. Right. Now, Cody Bellinger would ground out and say Suzuki was robbed of extra bases on a great catch by left fielder Eddie Rosario to end the inning. So Stroman is staked to a one-run lead. He gets the first two batters out before giving up a single to Austin Riley. And then Matt Olson hit a two-run homer, his 54th of the season, and 136 RBI, which broke the most RBIs in a single season in Braves history. So down to now you're down to one. The Braves added some more runs. Again, the why, 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 why? I, I don't care that he had two strikes on him. You know, both these runs end up coming because of two strikes. He gives up the single, then he gives up the home run. But again, why, why are you letting there, these two guys, and again, if I'm managing, don't see a pitch. I, I'm going to disagree, Dustin. I'm going to disagree. Know, I know you are. I, I sound like a brokered record. I'm just saying that it's, it, it, it works, against, it, it, works against, it works against a team like New York where you say there's one guy that can beat you on this team. One guy that can beat you. Pete Alonzo, don't let that one guy beat you. Here, go ahead. Throw it to Ozuna. Put guys on in front of Azuna, Rosario. Put him in, in front of, uh, of Ozzy Albies. You see how work, good that worked in game two. You can't do it. There's just too many weapons to be able to walk guys. You walk guys, you're inviting a big inning. That's that's my opinion, and and you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. But I don't do that. Um, when you take a look at this right here, though, uh, the Braves added more runs in the bottom of the second. Eddie Rosario let off the inning with a ball to left field. Ian Happ looked like he should have had it, but the ball squirts out of his glove for a two base error. He would come around to score on a Michael Harris double to make it three to one. Stroman would get Orlando Arcia to strike out for the second out, but our uh, Ronald Acuna drew Evan Harris on a single, and the Cubs trail four to one. That would be it for Stroman going two innings, giving up four runs, only two of them earned on four hits. But Dustin, he was giving up a lot of hard contact. The sinker lots wasn't of hard sinking. Contact. Lots of hard contact. Again, I, I would have flipped this. I, I would have started Assad, and then I would have went to Stroman if that was needed. Right. Assad comes in the third, and Austin Riley hit a, a leadoff triple, which I thought wasn't played very well by Talkman. Assad got Matt Olson to strike out. He walked Ozuna to put runners in the corner, but then Assad gets Eddie Rosario to hit a dribbler. Assad's looking to throw out the runner at home, but he bobbles it. Everyone's safe. Now that makes it five to one. I mean, that should have been another out right there that, you know, if he played it cleanly, the runner's out at home. Assad gets the next two out to end the innings, but again, defense fails him. That's just un unbelievable. Yeah, defense let um, him down. There's no doubt about it. Right. While the pitching was giving up runs and the defense was dropping balls everywhere, the offense was doing nothing against a 20-year-old rookie. The Cubs didn't even get their first hit until the fourth inning when Seah hit a two-out single. Dustin threw five innings. The Cubs only had three brace runners. A walk in the first, Seah single in the fourth, and a Candelaria walk in the fifth. That's it. 
Now, the Cubs start to make some noise in the sixth when Nico leads off to start the inning. Hap grounds out, and Cody Bellinger strikes out. But say a doubles to score Hap, and then the Cubs cut the lead to 5-2. to two. The bullpen, which looked like problems in the first two games, looked good. They kept the Cubs in it. Assad gave up one run on his own air. Luke Little pitched 1.2 innings of shutout ball, and Hayden Wisniewski pitched 2.1 innings of scoreless ball. The Cubs would have one more shot in the eighth. Nico would lead off with a single. Hap would strike out. But Bellinger and Sayer would hit back-to-back singles to score Nico and make it a 5-3 to three game with the tying run at first and second. But Dansby Swanson, who was 1-for-10 in the series with a walk and a hit-by-pitch, grounds into a double play to end the threats, and the Cubs did nothing against Rasiel Iglesias. The Braves would take this one 5-3 to three to sweep the Cubs. Um, against the against a rookie and a lower-tier bullpen pitchers until they got to Iglesias, they only scored three runs on six hits, Dustin. Three of those hits and two of the runs were off the bat of Seiya Suzuki. Talkman, 0 for 3 with the walk. Hap, 0 for 4. Swanson, 0 for 3, hits into that double play to kill the threat. Candelario, 0 for 3. Gomes, 0 for 4. Mastrobani, 0 for 4. Only three Cubs players got hits. Nico and Cody and Seiya Suzuki, not acceptable. Not in a game that was do or die like that. Not the do or die game. No, 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 no. Not in a do or die game. Mm-mm. You nope. you sat there and you knew what you had to do and you had to play, you know, again, you know, the bullpen is taxed. You had to do better with runners in scoring position offensively and you had to play clean defense and you couldn't do any of the three things you needed to do. Um, no bullpen, the offense stunk runners in scoring position and the defense just completely let them down. Again, the defense, the trademark of what this team was built upon. Absolutely, just just absolutely stunning. And now you're sitting there and you're going to need a baseball miracle if this team has any chance of postseason. They're on life support. Maybe, maybe Crowley, the Brewers want to play the Cubs. We're going to find that out. We're going to talk about that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two, episode 74. It's the ghost of Brant Brown. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Mick Gillespie, play-by-play broadcaster for the Southern League champs, the Tennessee Smokies, to talk about the end of the Smokies' 45-year title drought. Here's the one-two. Swing, line drive, leaping, and it's caught by Shaw. And for the first time in 45 years, them boys from Tennessee have planted their pennant alone atop the mountain. In 2023, at long last, the Smokies are champions of the Southern League. 
They win the ball game by a score of 10 to 3. They sweep away their biggest nemesis. And they've won it all. What do you say? What do you say? Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we got the Southern League champion broadcaster Mick Gillespie. Mick, I just got to ask you, how you feeling after all that craziness went down last night? Hey, hey, what do you say, man? You know, uh, <laughs> I didn't get that, the what do you say call from that song, by the way. I got it from my grandfather, how he answered the phone every day. And oh, uh, awesome. it's just such a Cubs kind of thing, you know, even though it had nothing to do with the Cubs. It just had to do with, like, everybody in my family always answered the phone or when they would see it, it'd be like, what do you say? You know, and I just was like, I wonder. So years ago, I started that. And uh, what I say is I feel great. Um, you know, that we had lost four championships. And Ryan Sandberg got us to the first one. He, he, he in 09, uh, really turned the, 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 you know, the culture around the winning. And we got absolutely hosed by a bad umpire in game one. And we lost a tough series with the Marlins double-A affiliate, the one we just beat. And we got back the next year. Rhino had gone to Iowa and, we had a guy named Bill Dancy. That team was 33 games over 500. We were so good. And we lost to the same team. And then we lost again in 2011. <laughs> we had a guy named Brian Harper, really good guy. Uh, really didn't manage the, the, the playoffs great, you know. And they're tough, man. You, you re- There's so many different things that can go wrong, you know. Well, we got back last year. It's the first time since 2011 we got back. And we were – in the same spot we were in yesterday and we lost back-to-back games to those guys, Marlins double-A affiliate now in Pensacola. So to win the first game and and just kick the crap out of them and then do it again a second time to like, you know, not come up short. uh, It was awesome. You know, and, and all those years, uh, you know, to think that it was a Cubs affiliate that won this one. And it was a White Sox affiliate that won the one in, in, you know, 1978 with Tony La Russa and Harold Baines and Joe Gates, Britt Byrne, you know, some really good players were on that team back then. And we're going to look back at this team and we're going to realize there was a lot of good players too. But uh, I didn't want to mess the call up. You know, this is Tennessee's team, and I wanted them to have a call that represented that area and w- w- what they do. And, uh, and I hope that that's what we got out of it. Oh, I, I still get some goosebumps here. And when, when we last talked, you know, the Smokies punched their second half ticket to the postseason um, by, by winning the second half of the season. And the first opponent you guys got were the Chattanooga Lookouts. And, you know, Cade Horton, you know, the draft number one draft pick from 2022, he starts game one, pitches five scoreless innings of shutout ball. He only gave up three hits. And the one thing, you know, um, I, I – when I watch the the different games from the Smokies, you know, Cade Horton, everyone knows what a study is, but I was just really, really impressed with the bullpen. Uh, Zach Lee, I thought pitched well, Riley Martin and Hunter Biggs. Yeah. Those, those guys, you know, they just did not look rattled at all. No, no. Well, let me start with Cade Horton. He's top of the line uh, stuff. I mean, he's a stuff. He's, he's a, ahead of where any pitcher we've had, in a long time has been this was like his what's eighth start two in the playoffs and six in the regular season and you're you're already looking at him and going okay he's going to be a really good big leaguer 
in, in the scouting side of me and some scouts were, I was talking to some scouts I'm friends with before the game. And, and I, I said, well, he's great. I mean, he's a, he's an ace type guy. He's got this amazing, really tight grip slider that he can put where he wants it. He can change speeds with it. Uh, he can throw it for a strike. He can throw it where it's not a strike, but it looks like a strike. He, he throws the fastball where he wants it. Sometimes it's a little flat, but it doesn't matter. I mean, because you have to worry so much about the, the, uh, the slider it just sneaks up on you at 95, you know, which is crazy that we don't think 95's, you know, throwing gas anymore. But, um, but when he elevates it, I like it. I like it when it's up here, you know. He throws a change up. He doesn't throw it enough for me. And he walks, you know, walks some guys, maybe cut back on that. But I'm, no, I'm nitpicking. I mean, this guy's he, – he, he stays healthy. And, you know, you put him right there with Wicks – and steel and, 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 you know, and Assad, and you got a pretty good young rotation. Yeah. And like I said, the, you know, the bullpen, you know, kept that one, you know, kept it close as far as, as the game is concerned, as far as Zach Lee, Riley Martin and Hunter. Big. Yeah. Uh, Hunter big picked up the save on that one. And then yeah, I- he did, he did, you know, he, he was awesome. I mean, during the regular season, there's a lot of restrictions that the Cubs put on pitching because they don't want guys to get hurt. And I've criticized them for it. I, I think you got to be a little bit, you, you got to, I think you've got to play the game. I mean, I just, I just think you do, you know, but they're, they're one of the, uh, one of the safest, one of the most conservative organizations when it comes to pitching. And I think it slows down developing at times, but not for everyone, you know, this, it's not going to affect Kate Horton. I don't think, I mean, he's just, that good you know uh wicks you know some of those guys that you you know that have left or that aren't having the success i think they probably need to pitch more innings just to get the touch and feel that it takes to to be an everyday pitcher but hunter biggie was so good i mean he he went the games against chattanooga were really tight and we we've played them a ton you know like 30 times in a regular season and they're a good team and they won the first half but we just we've always played them Good. I mean, they're our neighbor. You know, we see him a lot. They're like, you know, less than two hours from our stadium. And he came in and and, and just threw gas. And we saw him doing this at the beginning of the year. And then he got promoted to AAA and and he didn't have the success that he had. And then he came back and he was out of kilter and and then he found it again. So uh, when you have all of a sudden you got three really good pitchers in, in in the short series, right? So right. you had you had Horton, and you had Walker Powell, and then you had Brandon Birdsell. I got a spider on my microphone, and then um, you know, so you got those. I don't want him to jump in my mouth, so <laughs> <laughs> a little jumping spider. And then um, then you got you know Biggie closing closing out games, and there was a guy named Blake Whitney who's helped out a lot during the season. Uh, uh, Frankie Scalzo Jr who we hadn't even had that long, but he was really good. Like we were in trouble in the Chattanooga game at home. And he, he came in with the bases loaded and one out one pitch, got a double play and that changed the entire game and that entire series. And then, you know, and and basically what the formula was for all these games is we scored first and we scored a lot. And then the bullpen pitched after the starters. And if anyone got in trouble, 
the manager, Kevin Graber, was on top of bringing the next guy in and never really allowing the, the, you know, the, the lookouts or the Blue Wahoos to, uh, to get momentum. Yeah, you know, and then and again, scoring early in, in game one, you scored three runs in the third, all three runs. B.J. Murray, who went two for three at an RBI. Owen Casey, two for four with RBI double. And Haiti McCreary grout out for uh, the third run. So the Smokies win this one three to one. And, you know, when you take a look at Owen Casey, he's a guy that, that you know, he's always going to be tied to the U Darvish trade. And he really kind of turned some heads, I wanted to say, in the World Baseball Classic. You got to see him for the season. What, what did you see when you with, with Owen? Well, I really like Owen. Um, he's still a young player. He's got – well, first off, just defensively, he's excellent. He, he's got a great arm. His routes are fantastic to the ball in the outfield. He's just a smart player. He's not throwing past the cutoff, man. He'll, he'll cut down guys trying to score because he has such a good arm. I love him in the outfield. And then at the plate, you know, power drives and runs. He's still working on some stuff. You know, he's got he he's got to be a little more selective. He walks a lot, but he strikes out a lot. And I know some people say, well, in this day and age, you know, I'm sure some of the analytic people would say that you know you it's okay to to strike out, but I think that he's got to make more contact because when he does, good things happen. So you want him to put the bat on the ball. And for that, he's just got to be a little bit more selective on certain pitches. But all in all, he's a star player, and he's a, he's a very mature guy, very well, way more mature than you would think for a twenty-one-year-old. So I've been really impressed by by him. Now, game two saw the Smokies head to Chattanooga, like you said, not not too far away, and in the same formula that you talked about, Walker Powell, you know, throws five innings of one-run ball, and I think we talked about him before. Was he undrafted? And yeah. they, they picked him up. And then, you know, you, you talked a little bit about Frankie Scalso, but, uh, you know, Kevin Alcantara is another guy that you didn't have that long, but in the second three-run homer puts the Smokies up 3 nothing, And Andy Weber, who was two for four, drove in another run to make it 4 to nothing. So w- when you think about those two, when you think about Alcantara, who was a guy that just yeah. got there, and Weber, who's been in his second year with the Smokies, tell me a little bit about Kevin Alcantara in the short time you got to see El Jaguar. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know that he was a Jaguar until last night. Kevin Graver told me. I, I said he reminded me of a shark because he was, you know, like I live on the water. I mean, first off, you know, so there's no Jaguars <laughs> down here, but there are sharks. And what I love about Alcantara is he's not trying to walk. He's He's not trying to just go up there and and get on base. He's trying to hit it out of the park. He's trying to drive in runs. He's he's looking to make solid, hard contact. He's got a killer instinct. And we had him batting down in the bottom of the lineup just to go to show how good and talented this team was. We had a lot of the Cubs prospects. We got the um, what I call the South Bend Calvary like a week before the end of the season. And um, – he was a big part of it. He, he was, we didn't have this last year. If it, we, we lost in the championship series last year, they had promoted uh, Alexander Canario and they didn't give us Pete Crow Armstrong. They left him in South Bend and we, we didn't have a center fielder. So they should have either left him there or sent us someone like a, a legitimate center fielder. Well, they took Pete Crow Armstrong and they gave us Kevin Alcantara and, and, that solidified the middle. He plays. He he's not as good to me defensively as uh, 
Canario, Canario, but he's close. Kind of reminds me of the same type of player. He plays good defense, and and he can hit, and he drives and runs, and he's really long and lanky. He's kind of like um, I, I don't want to say he's Dave Winfield, but just kind of like that build. And so he, he swings at a lot of pitches, but he's so long that like you really have to miss for him not to be able to get to it. And he came up with so many. He came up with a lot of big plays in in the little bit of time that we had him. But I, I said, yeah, he's like a shark, and uh, and and Kevin's like, no, nah, he's a, a jaguar. And I'm like, jaguar. okay. And he's telling me about. It. I said, well, it makes sense. I, I, you know, jaguar, shark, same same concept. But he was great. I, he just he brought a lot of fire to the team too, a desire to win. That the Cubs in the big leagues are going to really like him. Love it. And, and, and Andy Weber, you know what I mean? Like, a, you know, a guy that's on, you know, he was on this team that lost in the postseason last year. So it's had to have been good for him to contribute like he did and, you know, play all over the infield. And play healthy. I mean, he, he you know, he had a, a great start the last year and then got hurt. And so, you know, they came back this year. And um, honestly, you know, he, I, I talked to him after the game last night. You got to have that. He, and he's not old, but you got to have that veteran guy around all those kids. You know, I mean, you, you're talking about a lot of guys like, you know, how old's Alcantara? You know, can is he even old enough to drink? I mean, you know, what I mean, like you got all these guys. Like, we can't have the champagne. Here's the grape juice. You know, um, because they're they're young. But um, he he's kind of that veteran presence that played college baseball and was part of the the South Bend championship team in 2019. Great guy. So I was really happy for him. I, I was happy when I talked to him after the game, and he's like, this is the most baseball I've played in a while. You know, just. This is the Fly the W670 podcast, the ghost of Grant Brown. It's season two. It's episode 74. All right, Crowley, three games left. How are the Cubs looking with three games to go in the wild card standings? Uh, not good, Dustin. We're just going to go that route. Um, when the Cubs lost, <laughs> when the Cubs lost on uh, what was it Tuesday night, um, that clinched it for the Brewers, who are going to be in the postseason again. Craig Council, <clears throat> um, they they have a ninety and a sixty nine record. The Cubs are in second place, eighty two and seventy seven, and Cincinnati's hanging in there with eighty one and seventy eight. Pittsburgh at seventy five and eighty four, and the St. Louis Cardinals, very nice, sixty nine and ninety. But what everyone cares about is this wild card situation. Um, Philly has it, you know, no doubt about that. So Philly is well, clinched in. The they've first clinched, wild card they've spot. clinched the postseason, right? Yeah. They're they're in their first wild card spot. They can't be caught anymore. Um, so the question is the second and third wild card spots, and you still have four teams involved going into the last weekend, which is exactly how MLB drew it up. Um, Arizona right now, this is gonna be interesting. Okay, Arizona's eighty-four and seventy-five. Um, and in this situation, so they're two games ahead of Miami and two games ahead of the Cubs, but they are going to Arizona or to Houston where they have to face the Astros and the Astros are fighting for their spot in the postseason. But those games are in Arizona. Those games are in Arizona. That I know no, those, sure. aren't they in Houston or no? I'm almost 90% sure. I'll check. You keep talking. I'll check. Right. So that's going to be something to look at right there. Either way, Arizona and Houston, I mean, they, they both – have a ton to play for so that is going to be one that you want to watch now my beer last night like i was 
um, you saw that the Marlins were down one nothing going into the ninth inning. The Mets had them, and they called in former Cub reliever. They cut this guy, remember, Anthony Kay, and he blew the save. And so Miami technically is up two to one, and the rain starts pouring down. And so the game gets called after a three and a half hour delay. And so now the situation is, is if that game comes into play, Miami would have to go back to New York on Monday to finish a half an inning. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing if it came down to that? And so the Cubs are on the outside looking in 82 and 77. So um, they're, they're half a game out technically right now, probably a full game if Miami were to win that. And then Cincinnati is 81 and 78. They're one and a half games out. So this, you know, you're taking a look again at the remaining schedule, and I actually have it right up here, Dustin. So they do, they are playing at home, three versus Houston, and the Marlins are three at Pittsburgh. Let's hope it was a late night and they're groggy and tired. The Cubs three at Milwaukee and Saint and Cincinnati three at St. Louis. So you you never know, but I mean, right now the Cubs have a 26 percent chance to make the postseason. So I am telling you, there is a chance. It's just There's always a chance. Until it's mathematically over, there's a chance. Right. You're going to need help, and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, they, they need help. They had a chance to help themselves. They did not help themselves. So the good news is, is the Brewers are not going to have any of the top three pitchers going at it when they uh, start things tonight up in Milwaukee. No, and, you know, and so let, let, let's just see what happens here. Um couple of minor league uh, notes that we got here. Again, as you heard with uh, Mick Gillespie on that interview, the Smokies won the Southern League Championship for the first time since 1978, beating the Pensacola Blue Wahoos 10-3. to Cade uh, Horton threw five innings of one-hit ball. He gave up no runs. B.J. Murray hit a three-run homer. He was your MVP. Owen Casey, Matt Shaw, and Hayden McCreary all drove in runs for Tennessee. Congrats to manager Kevin Graber, his staff, our buddy Mick Gillespie, and all the players for their accomplishment. Uh, one other piece of minor league news, the Cubs announced some important awards. Congrats to Moises Ballesteros for winning the Buck O'Neill Minor League Player of the Year Award. Ballesteros, Dustin, is only 19 years old. He started the season in, in Myrtle Beach, which is where I saw him. Uh, he moved up to South Bend, and he finished on the championship Smokies team. He's a left-handed hitting catcher and first baseman. In 117 games, he slashed 285, 375, 449 with 27 doubles, 14 homers, and 64 RBIs. I, again, Dustin, I saw this kid play. He is the real deal. How would that Cade Horton guy look in the Cubs bullpen right now? Ooh. Cade Horton, he won the VD Mismo Minor League Pitcher of the Year Award. Like Ballesteros, he started in Myrtle Beach, then moved on to South Bend and won two postseason games, including the clincher for the Smokies. So Horton's going to finish with a record of 4-4 four and four with a 2.65 ERA. He struck out, Dustin, 117 batters in 88.1 innings. That's 11.9 strikeouts per nine innings. That'll play. That'll play at any level, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we only have one bit of roster move or injury report right here. Before the game on Wednesday, Heimer Candelario was activated from the IL where he was dealing with a back injury, and Jared Young was sent home. Thank you for your services, young man. Yeah, Candelario, I mean, I'm obviously I'm happy that he's back, but he's really not looking like himself right now, that's for sure. No, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for that to happen. So, um, unfortunately, we just don't have time. You know, there's no nope. – Nothing Time is do. not something on the Cubs side at this moment. So let's uh, let's get to it, Crowley. The moment is at hand. 
The Cubs and Brewers have faced each other quite a bit, but there are three more to go up north of the Cheddar Curtain. Yeah, you know this matchup, Dustin. It, it, they've played 10 times. They've split the season 5-5. Five to five. The Brewers took the first series at, at Wrigley two games to one. They split two crazy games in the beginning of July in Milwaukee, that 4th of July week. And then the Cubs last played Milwaukee in August, taking two or three to pull within three games of the Brewers at that time. Tyone struggled in game one versus Wade Miley and the Brewers. He gave up a leadoff homer to Christian Yelich, and the Brewers scored four in the first. Ian Happ and Patrick Wisdom hit solo home runs, but the Cubs lose this one 6-2. to two. In game two, we saw a battle of the aces as Justin Steele took on Corbin Burns. The Cubs scored one run in the first on an RBI ground out by Cody Bellinger. That was the only run scored in the entire game, and the Cubs won that one, one nothing. Alzali picked up the save, but it was the rubber game that really is, is kind of a turning point in the Cubs' season. That was Kyle Hendricks versus Brandon Woodruff. Cubs jumped out to an early 2-0 lead on an RBI double by Ian Happ and a sack fly by Swanson. But the Brewers scored one in the third on a William Contreras single to make it 2-1. In the eighth, Mark Leiter came into the game up and gave up a single and two walk batters to load the bases. They pull him out, and Albert Alzali comes in, and he hits Mark Canna to tie the game before he got out of the inning. Cody Bellinger hit an RBI single to put the Cubs up 3-2. Alzali closed it out in the ninth. But Alzali blew a save two days later in Cincinnati and then didn't pitch again in a week. He pitched two times in Arizona that week later before going on the IL. So that game, that last game that they played, that's when Mark Leiter started having problems. And that's right around when Alzali got injured. And so that was a very, very costly win. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Now, the Brewers clinched the NL Central when the Cubs lost to Atlanta on Tuesday night, winning the NL Central for the third time in six years. Uh, they're going to be the number three seed in the postseason, no doubt about that. And the Brewers just finished a series with the Cardinals taking two of three from St. Lou. Well, the Cardinals have a little bit of a role in this still, right? They've got the Reds. That's where the Reds are this weekend, correct? Yes, correct. All right. Well, let's get at it. Crowley pitching matchups tonight. Kyle Hendricks gets the ball. The professor. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> yep, the professor. Dr. Beeper, as I like to call him right now. Um, in potentially his last start as a Cub, the club has a team option if they want to pick it up. There's a lot of questions swirling around right now because chances are Stroman will not opt out. So whether they keep Kyle or not, that's to be determined. This, again, could be his last start. He's 6-8 and eight with a 3.66 ERA. Um, he's been pitching very good every, every time out solid, even if he, the wins and losses don't reflect that again, he got a loss. He was tagged with the loss against Pittsburgh last time. That was, um, nine He went six innings, gave up only one earned run on seven hits, but he took the loss, um, on nine sixteen against Arizona. He went 5.1 innings, uh, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, no decision. And on the win against Arizona, he went 5.2 innings, gave up seven hits, and two earned runs. So like you said, Dustin, Milwaukee is setting up for whoever they have to play in round one. So the Cubs will not be facing any of the real studs as far as the, the you know, whether you're talking about um, Burns or uh, Peralta or Woodruff, you're not yep. going to see him. So catch a little break there, you know? It's good. That, that, that helps the chance. It can't hurt, right? It can't hurt to not face the three top pitchers for the Brewers. So, again, the Cubs always still have a chance until they don't. Right. You're going to be facing off against Colin Rea, who's 6-6 six and six with a 474 ERA. Um, when you're talking about Colin Rea, you're, you're talking about a guy that's – he's the one that's going to make you 
I would say, you know, he, he's kind of been like the swing man for the Brewers, kind of like the Javier Assad. He's been up and down AAA most of the season. Uh, he was optioned to AAA in August, called back up in early September. Um, since he has been back, he started a few games, and, you know, his record right now is looking at um, looking at 6-6 six and six with a 474 ERA. Uh, he started a couple games lately, but mostly, you know, doing that kind of like mid-inning role. The last time he started was September 8th. So he started, uh, you know, in August 4th, and then he was out for a little while, and then September 2nd, and then September 8th. So he hasn't started since September 8th. This is his first start. Um, he has some uh, – he features a sinker, a cutter, and a four-seam fastball, and a sweeper. So um, Colin Ray's a guy you should be able to get to. Yep, and they have to do that. I mean, the offense has been basically crap on a stick for quite some time overall. Home run or nothing, basically. Don't do much with runners in scoring position. So it's do or die time. Everybody's got to do their job. Uh, we haven't seen a lineup yet. Very curious to see who might be in and who might be out. Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty much going to see the same lineups. I don't think you're going to see – I mean, David Ross has kind of made it clear he's not really into the young guys, and I don't see a PCA or Candelario sighting. He's going to go with who got him there, and that's going to be, uh, you know, the lineup that we've seen lately. But um, Jordan Wicks is going to take the bump for the Cubs, and what will end up happening here is that you know that Jordan has pitched really good. Uh, really, you couldn't ask for much more from a kid that's being asked to kind of really, you know, take an important – role in a postseason pennant chase. I, I, I've been so impressed by what uh, Jordan Wicks has done. Uh, he is looking at his record. He's four and one with a three ERA. And um, have we gotten a game two starter yet? Because from what I'm seeing, it looks like uh, TBD. Nope. All I've seen is TBD so far, Crawley. That's what I saw last night. I am looking as you are asking me right now. I am scrolling. I am scrolling. I am scrolling. Undecided. I have an undecided. Instead of TBD, Crawley, we have undecided. My understanding is is that it, 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 there's a possibility. Old 10 day? It could be like Freddie Peralta pitches two innings, right? And then the rest would be a bullpen day would be my guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, then you got to like your chances versus undecided. Hard to hard to predict how the Cubs' <laughs> offense would do against undecided. Or how about the combination of undecided and TBD? Undecided like is the opener followed by TBD. I like it, and and I'm just looking at Jordan Wicks, and you're looking at you know four and one with a three ERA. Started six games, but you know against nine twenty four against Colorado, he went six innings, gave up three earned runs. Uh, he got the win against Arizona. He went four point one innings, gave up three earned runs, got the loss. Um, and 9-11, you know, he, he was he pitched six innings, gave up one earned run, and has no decision on here. But uh, when you're when you're looking at this right here, he he has been solid. Just you know, you've seen the runs kind of creep up. He's not looking as good as he did when he first came out here. You don't know how much of that is fatigue, um, and how much is that is the league adjusting to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so in game three, we're taking a look at Justin Steele making his final start. What else can you say about Justin other than a guy that just literally gave you every single thing he got every time out there? You know, Stroman goes down and he he carried this team 16 and 5 with a 306 ERA against Atlanta, 5.1 innings, six hits, three earned runs. Uh, against Pittsburgh before that, he struggled. He gave up six earned runs in three innings and against Arizona. 
He gave up six earned runs in six innings. And so those were, those were the two starts that knocked him out of that Cy Young chase. But, uh, you know, they, they, they purposely set him up this way so that he would take the last game of the season. Yep. And so. how about no funny business on Sunday? All the games starting within 15 minutes of each other, starting at 2 o'clock and then going to 2.15. Absolutely love it. Now, they're going to be going up against Adrian Hauser. This this is, again, I'm glad Steele's facing off against him because I think this is the toughest pitching matchup. Adrian Hauser has been the Brewers' fifth starter. He is 7-5 with a 432 ERA. And when you're talking about Adrian Hauser, like I said, he's, he's in this, uh, you know, amazing Brewers rotation and he just kind of gets to be the overlooked guy, but j- just don't sleep on him. A seven to five with a 432 ERA. He pitched five innings against St. Louis, gave up two earned runs in a loss. Um, the week before he pitched against St. Louis, he gave up one earned run in the win in six innings. And against Miami, he went 5.0 inning, 5.0 innings. He gave up uh, two runs on five hits and he got the win in that one. Um, he went on the IL at the end of August with some elbow issues, but he came back in the middle of September. He features a sinker, four seamer, and a slider. So, um, this is you know opportunity to uh, take this game, but you know the Cubs. We need Steele to kind of pitch like you know his best game of the season. You hate to put it on him. Yeah, let's uh, hope that it matters come Sunday, Crowley. That's the hope, and I wonder if it doesn't matter if they will go to some type of a bullpen day and save those innings. All right, who's hot? Who's not? All right, for the Cubs, Seiya Suzuki is hot. Eight for his last 20. He has a home run, five RBIs. He's slashing 400, 455, and 700. Um, also, Miles Mastroboani, six for his last 16 with an RBI. Uh, he has three stolen bases in that time, 375, 412, 375 slash line, okay? Um, what worries about what you worry about is the knot, and there's a lot in that knot department. You know, Dansby Swanson's, you know, he's batting 235 in the last week. Mike Talkman's batting 231. How about Nico Horner? He's three for his last 18, batting 167 in the last week. And then Christopher Morell has just been, you know, struggling for a while now. Two for his last 12, slashing 167, 231, four shirts. Is he going to get some at bats in this series, Crowley, Christopher Morell? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to give him at bats right now when he just he's striking out and just looking so bad doing it. But you got a lot of cold guys in there that you're talking about in your lineup. We talk about Dansby, Talkman, Horner, and Morrell. That's four guys right there. Right. Right. And Candelario, who just came back. He just came back. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So not not good as far as the Brewers are concerned. I mean, oh god, yeah, Carlos Santana was a huge huge pickup for the Brewers at the trade deadline. He's eight for his last 17 with a home run and six RBIs, slashing 471, 500, 765. Look out for him. William Contreras, we talked about him. He was on the Braves last year. Um, they traded him when they got Sean Murphy. Uh, but Contreras has had a heck of a season. He's eight for his last 18 with two RBIs, slashing 444, 524, 556. I mean, you know, Brian Anderson is, is doing well. But Christian Yelich, uh, six for his last 17 with two home runs, Dustin, and five RBIs. Slashing 353, 421, 824. All those guys are looking really, really good. Um, Josh Donaldson, they picked him up uh, when he was put on waivers. He's two for his last 15, 133, 235, 400. I think you could stick a fork in that guy. And then, yeah, I was hoping that guy would kind of spoil the pot for them. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he's, he's just a, I don't like him as a person or a player. That's, Another day, but Sal Freelich is their young um, prospect. And he's, you know, this is again, you know, people talk about PCA. I, I don't know if you saw Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz had a big home run against the Guardians, but, you know, Ellie De La Cruz was struggling. That's going to happen with young guys. He's two for his last 22 um, with only one RBI. He's slashing 0.091, 0.091, 0.091. 
But again, they, they're, you know, you're going to you call up these guys and see what they can do. See what they can do. Hopefully the guys from the Brewers won't be doing much against the Cubs. That's for damn sure. Okay, Crawley, here we go. Prediction time. What? Uh, I mean, it's not about a prediction, right? They, they need to sweep. They need to sweep. They need to. They need to win all three games. So I, I I'll go first. They're going to sweep because if they don't, then the next time we get together, we're going to talk about the Cubs on the outside looking in more than likely. Yeah, I mean, they need that sweep. It has to happen. And uh, you know, it, it's they again. The Steel versus Hauser matchup is the one thing that I'm worried about. I have a feeling they're going to win tonight and on Game Two. I'm more nervous about game three than all of them. Um, I just don't know if Steele has much left in the tank. And like I said, Hauser's a pretty good pitcher, and the offense has looked bad lately. So that's what we're going to take a look at. All right, Crowley, best of luck this weekend. Are you uh, heading north of the Cheddar Curtain, or are you going to be uh, with Pat and Ron and on the couch? I've, I have tickets for Sunday. I'm uh... I'm holding tight, and, and I think it's going to be a game-time decision. If, if it means something, I'll definitely be there. If not, it's going to be a 50-50 shot because that'll mean my heart is absolutely broken, and I don't think there would be a lot of fun sitting in Miller Park listening to Brewers fans chirping in my ear. So I will be a game-time decision. All right, let me know how that goes. That's a wrap. <laughs> don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials. Follow us on Facebook. Instagram, of course, we're on Twitter as well. You can email us at flythew670gmail.com, and you can watch us, oh, yeah, see Crowley and I in action on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Cub fans, we've been doing this for 159 games. We got three left. Let's stick it out. Go Cubs! It's all over.